Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are here to review Star Trek Lower Deck Season 2 Episode 3. We'll always have Tom Paris. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies. Starting with none other than the Hooster himself. Cal Jones, how you doing, man? You know what? Considering the fact that I did not think I would be here tonight because of the weather that's been going on, I will say that I am excited to be here. Yeah, man. Glad to have you on. Hearts and minds, definitely to everybody affected by the hurricane that came through the southern region of the United States. But also on the podcast and maybe in, in even of a more direct path is Carrie Brown. How you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Um, Now that I've learned that my house is still standing, I'm <laughs> doing wonderful. That's the first thing you check off the box before you get on a <laughs> podcast. Gave the old once over. <laughs> house still standing. Wow. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad as well, because I know you and, and April are down there right in right on the coast. So, yeah, glad all is well. Indeed. And we may be having Jonathan join us a little bit later, so we'll. Hopefully he'll chime in sooner or later when he gets here. But what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, wherever you're listening, please leave a review. And, you know, uh, we really appreciate it. That helps us get discovered and gets more eyes on the podcast. And also subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. And as I mentioned last week, guys, we also have a Discussing Network Patreon account where you can go in and give a little as a dollar a month to help support the podcast. If you can and it's not breaking a bank, we'd really, really appreciate it. And you can check that out by going to patreon.com slash discussing network. So, guys, we do have news today, and it is news that any Star Trek fan would be interested in is that there is going to be a Star Trek day coming up on September the 8th. If you're fortunate enough to be listening to this before that day, there'll be a Star Trek day with a myriad of panels. Of course, you're going to have Will Wheaton and Micah Burton there, but they're going to have several different panels. They're going to have a legacy panel from Deep Space Nine, Enterprise Voyager, pretty much all the series, including one from Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and also, um, Star Trek Picard, pretty much every show is going to be represented in this this uh, live streamed event, which is going to occur on September the 8th at 530 p.m. Pacific time, 830 Eastern. That feels pretty late to me, but and let me just read the little presser here. Live from the Skirball Cultural Center in Los Angeles, California, Star Trek Day will be hosted by Will Wheaton and Michael Burton and feature a live orchestra hmm, that's pretty interesting by by composed by jeff russo back to back in-person conversations with cast members and creative minds from the star trek universe legacy moments with iconic cast plus surprise announcements and reveals throughout and that's what i can't wait for is the surprise announcements and reveals um, so, yeah, again, you can join the, the celebration by tuning in. I'm guessing on Paramount Plus only on September the 8th. Hmm. I'm wondering if it will be on Paramount Plus or if it will also be on YouTube. Well, I know the first one they did was on YouTube, which I really enjoyed because I got to watch Wild Work and I commented and, you know, saw a few T TAS episodes that I hadn't seen before. So it was very welcome for it to be on YouTube. And I think 
the next the Picard day they did on Twitch, but not YouTube. And then I think they may only do this one on Paramount Plus, which to me is kind of counterintuitive because <laughs> because because what it is is a big ad. So I think you would want more people tuning in and watching it. And, you know, speaking of it being a big ad, I don't think 830 Eastern, which, you know, if you're a central like most of the three, I think all three of us are, which is 730, you're getting into primetime television viewing. Before, you know, of course, Pacific, it's, you know, get everybody getting off work. But still, I, I think they're trying to get that primetime audience. They may be doing that, but it still feels really late because I know the last two occurred around lunchtime. So maybe they just noticed that they weren't getting the viewership they were expecting because people were at work. So you may be hitting it right on a, on, on a head saying that, you know, let's get that prime time slot and hopefully people will tune in. So I'll definitely be tuning in. So I can't wait for that. And um, that's all the news I have. Carrie, did you have some news? Yeah, I actually have two news items that I found earlier. Um, the first is if you watch Star Trek on Netflix, it's going to be a lot harder starting in September because TOS, Voyager, and Enterprise are, are all leaving Netflix in September. Wow! Um, so you have about you have about a day to catch up or to binge. <laughs> this kind of tears at me because although I do love it all being on Paramount Plus, I I keep saying this, I can't say it enough. Netflix viewing experience is far by far the easiest yeah, and, and the most elegant. And it's just, it's still kind of, you know, it's getting better, but it's still kind of rough on the Paramount Plus side. I just have to admit it, it, yeah, never, that- it, it never keeps up with the last episode I watched and <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's getting better, but man, that's going to make a lot of people sad. Yeah. They need to poach some Netflix people to make their UX better because yeah. it's terrible. hundred um, percent. Also, Tim Russ of Star Trek Voyager fame. You guys all know who Tim Russ oh, is. Oh, But course. anyway, this comes from USA Today. But Tim Russ, who played Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander Tuvok on the sci-fi show Star Trek Voyager, is going back to his space roots. On his latest mission, he's helping detect asteroids for NASA. Russ and five other citizen astronomers contributed to the detection of Patroclus, an <laughs> asteroid orbiting <laughs> Jupiter. The purpose of detecting the asteroid is to serve NASA's upcoming mission in October, where it will launch a probe named Lucy into space, according to Russ. NASA said in a statement posted to their website that Lucy will complete a 12-year journey to eight different asteroids, a main belt, and seven Trojans. There's a quote if you want me to read the quote from Tim, but I, I don't know. Can you read it in the Tim Russ voice? That's the only way you can read it. That's the requirement. These Trojan <laughs> asteroids were captured in Jupiter's orbit. Probably from farther out in the solar system, so they're more rare and more pristine in terms of what information they might have in their chemical makeup. Russ tells USA Today. Sorry, that was my best, my best hey, effort. It was, good. it was good enough. I had to hold back from uh, laughing out loud. No, good job, man. That's awesome. I, I'm always interested when to see these Star Trek folks get involved in NASA projects. And of course, you have um, Robert Bocardo, who contributes to the Planetary Society. So it's always cool to see uh, <laughs> as you post a picture with the telescope in the chat. <laughs> but yeah, I always find this really cool to see see Star Trek people get really involved with NASA stuff. So that's that's really cool. With that, we'll get right into our review of Star Trek Lower Decks. We'll always have Tom Paris. We'll always have Tom Paris is the third episode of season two of Star Trek Lower Decks. The episode was written by M. Willis and directed by Bob Suarez. Assigned to a special task by Dr. Tiana, Tindy enlists Mariner for help. 
Back aboard the USS Cerritos, Rutherford is consumed by a bridge crew mystery. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. Like always, we go to Kyle Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. You never know. Kyle Jones, what you got, man? So I thought long and hard for this one. Okay? Uh Uh-oh. Long and hard. And this is what I've come up with. Like I said, thought long and hard about this. But this, to me, sums up my thoughts on the episode. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 meow. Uh, something's wrong with my universal <laughs> translator. I don't know what <laughs> Meow. Oh, my. <laughs> meow, meow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> with that, let's, let's... Oh, and it seems like we have Jonathan beaming aboard. How you doing, man? Man, I am good coming to you from the way, way, way out in the Gamma Quadrant here, so... <laughs> What are your overall thoughts on this episode? Um, better than others? It it had me there for a minute uh, at the beginning, and I was thinking, this is actually a good turnaround. And then it went back to the same old stuff. Hmm. But better than the others. Better than most of them that I've watched. Carrie, what do you think, man? Okay, so me being a person who recognizes this show for what it is and appreciates it for what it is (laughs) uh i thoroughly enjoy the episode although i am a bit concerned with the somewhat sexual undertones of these recent episodes it 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 just seemed to stick out especially after the last one in the fornication helmet it it really stuck out to me that they kind of based the whole episode around a sex toy and the mouth of it was just hilarious. I don't know who designed that thing, but when I saw the when I saw the mouth of it, I just like busted out laughing. I didn't even notice the mouth of it. So I didn't either. Anyway, overall, one thing I really liked about this episode was the fact that we got a matchup or a pair up that we don't normally get. That in of itself to me was noteworthy. However, it seemed to me like, like John was saying, they, they were trying to get back into some of the old um, shenanigans. But even with that, it wasn't as bad as even the first episode of the season. I felt like they kept it under control. It didn't go into like, like I said, episode one territory with like a floating head biting a spaceship. Like it, it didn't get that far out there. Yeah. But I felt I didn't think it was too bad. I, I actually rather enjoyed the episode if for no other reason than the Tom Paris thing. Oh, that to me, that was just great. So good. Yeah. Overall, I enjoyed it. Cal Jones, can you offer any additional thoughts that are in the English dialect? Meow, meow. Oh, oh excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was still speaking cat. Sorry. Um, loved it. Absolutely. One million percent. Loved it. Had oh, fun yeah. with it. This is the first time that I forgot I was watching Lower Decks. Seriously. I thought it was awesome. I have no complaints. And I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I you you have an affinity for liking like weird characters, and we got a lot of Doctor Tiana. Well, more Doctor Tiana in this episode, so I, I can I can see you jumping aboard that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and as for me, man, I, I really love this episode. You you had me at Tom Parrish, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was 
I was all over it. Really, really loved it. Uh, they managed and we talked about this a little bit last week with them, you know, well, maybe in the first episode we reviewed talking about them having time to have flushed out storylines. And to me, they were able to have three that I felt were complete and, you know, had enough time to do what they needed to do in in the, the span of 25 minutes. I think the writing was good in that aspect. I feel like all three of the storylines were well done and substantial. I enjoyed all three of them on their own. So, yeah, um, I really loved this episode. <laughs> I really did. In this episode, we had not one, not two, but three storylines. And somehow they seemed to make it all work. While Boimler was all fanboying and Rutherford was trying to figure out how the heck Shax is back. Tindy and Mariner went off on their own adventure and got to know each other just a little bit better. So I'm going to throw it out to you guys. We got three storylines. Which one do you want to tackle first? Can we can we talk about the resurrection, the elephant in the room? <laughs> All right. Well, let, let, let's let's get into it. In the response to the appearance of, of Shaxx, Mariner comments to Rutherford about how bridge officers are always coming back from the dead. True statement, question mark. And I kind of want to throw this to, to Jonathan first. Normal occurrence. <sighs> okay. Short answer, yes, it happens a lot. But do we notice it? No, because what our viewer, our, we're viewing the bridge crew and we're seeing the explanations, whereas they're telling it from the lower deck side of it. And really, they don't know. I mean, if you imagine on TNG or whatever the case may be, when you're just the person that's realigning the warp coils <laughs> down on the lower decks. Like, all you heard was rumor that Worf <laughs> died, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, three days later, Worf's back. You really don't know what happened. But, you know, us as viewers, we're watching we're watching the bridge and we see that, you know, they thought Worf was dead. But Beverly Crusher went out and resuscitated him with some miracle cure or something. Yeah. And he spent three days recuperating in sick bay. And, you know, it's just the lower deck's probably not privileged to that. So, to them, it probably looks like... Oh, my God, they resurrecting bridge crew all the time. Our captain became a Borg. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I took it anyway. So, so, Kara, you pointed out this storyline. What what about this storyline, like, really jumped out at you? I just assumed that this was a thing. Like, I'm not as versed in Star Trek as you guys, but just, just from my experience with Discovery, you have Culber, oh. you have Giorgio, you have... Who else came back? Um, I think Culber is the worst aggression in Star Saru? Trek, period. <laughs> Saru came back from like it, it's happened like three or four times in that one show so I just assumed that it was like a Star Trek thing that I really enjoyed the whole like what the heck is happening and it's something that like again I love the fact that this show can make fun of Star Trek it isn't just about making zany jokes I mean some of these are deep cuts too like I, I really enjoyed that part of it as far as the actual plot of how it played out i love that they kind of like hammed it up a little bit with the you don't want to know what happens type thing but it was probably my least favorite plot in in this show in this <laughs> particular episode but i still enjoyed it yeah and i, I agree with you carrie it, it it does happen a lot i mean we've seen it a lot in discovery but i mean we also see it a lot throughout trick and it's just it's just neat that they kind of took a different perspective to it like we, we kind of get used to it but i mean as i sit and think of all the bridge crews on all the tricks, like there's quite a few of them. Yeah. That, yeah. In essence died. And I mean, just from the outside looking in, yeah, they died and were resurrected and we don't know the story on it. So yeah. 
again, to me, the most egregious of that is Culver coming back. Because that just <laughs> that made no sense. I still don't no, understand. Not that. at all. I still don't understand. But but Kyle, I know that it was Baumler and Mariner were kind of spitting out a few of the times that this has happened. Did any one of those jump out at you as something you recognized? I recognized, you know, they, they made reference specifically, I think, to Generations, the movie Generations, didn't they? By yeah, the, the Nexus. The Nexus, the- yes. <laughs> that, that was the one that just kind of like popped out to me. I know they did several things in secession, but um, that's the one that like just kind of caught my attention. Yeah, they said the <laughs> Nexus, the the Genesis the device, Spock, of course, coming back. The transporter pattern buffer thing. Scotty was was put himself in a per- perpetual transporter buffer. <laughs> and then you mentioned, Carrie, the mirror universe switcheroo with uh, Giorgio. Yeah. Uh, and then you had the Borg rebuild. Uh, I guess that could oh, be yeah. that could be John Luke, but I, I I thought it could be seven and nine as well because they thought she was dead. But um, true. But yeah, it happens all the time in Star Trek, man. But we kind of, like you said, we kind of just <laughs> take it as a good story and don't even think about it anymore. <laughs> oh, and I think some of the, um, in, in this, there's this dream sequence or something that they show. And I think Shaq's is, uh, not outfits, but costumes mirrored some of the things that they were oh, talking yeah. about yes yeah, oh that whole that whole dream with the borg and all that was hilarious dark. i don't i don't care who you are that was so funny <laughs> dark truths <laughs> yeah it is it's it's so rutherford to want to know why so i just thought that was a, a pretty interesting storyline and i liked all the references to like the past shows because it made me think a little bit why don't we think about this a little bit more and can i say before we get any further uh, the last time that I was on and we talked about lower decks, you know, one of the complaints, were, one of the things we were debating was like, do they really have time enough time when 30 minute show Yeah. to, you know, get into the storylines and do. Well, I think this is an example of, yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Like it can be done to your point, John, to me, it felt like it wasn't that there were three storylines. This was kind of a secondary plot. And they, to me, they didn't spend more time on it than they needed to. They didn't try to get too deep into it, right. so it, it just worked. Yeah. But, I mean, and they had three storylines going, and we got full depth into these storylines. I mean, we got more into these stories, three stories, than we've gotten in some of the two-plot episodes I that we've watched. That. I can agree with that, yeah. But, but see, but see I, I think I want to pivot a little bit more to what Carrie said, and, and, and maybe storyline or plot or whichever – I'm not, I'm not the writer. I'm not sure which one is the bigger or the smaller of the either. But I do feel like what Carrie said, it wasn't if you were trying to balance and give each one like you've got 20 minutes and you're going to give 10 minutes per story. It just felt like, OK, if it takes three minutes yeah. of story time to do this, then we're going to do it. If it takes 15 for one and if it takes 10 for the other. I think that's why it worked. It just told right. the story in whatever time it needed. Which is what they should be doing on the streaming service. Just tell the story yeah. that needs to be told. Don't worry about the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe this show, show more than any of the others, <laughs> tries to hit its 24-minute mark or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this is kind of 
not really directly related to that, but I think that's one of the advantages of this show is they can take a lot of risks. They can be unconventional when they want to be. You know, they they don't have to follow the same formulaic trick. Yeah. Even though we, you know, they kind of made fun of that in the last episode, they they get to pick and choose the parts that they want to make the storyline work. And, you know, it's not necessarily like Discovery where you have a season long storyline. These are more standalone. I feel like this is probably more like Star Trek than Discovery and Picard is, honestly. Yeah. Well, as far as the way the storytelling, yes, definitely. hundred percent. Yeah. So next, I want to get into the Boimler slash Tom Paris storyline. Anybody want to take this one first? <laughs> Overall thoughts on that storyline. And Cal, maybe you can start us off on this one. All right. So while this was probably the least of my favorite out of the story or plot devices that were going on, I think they were trying to tell the story of someone having the awkwardness of leaving something and then trying to come back and mm. reassimilate themselves into a situation because no matter how long or short you're gone, something has changed while you were gone. So I think that was part of it. The other part of his story was you develop this person in your mind. And when you get to meet someone that you look up to, whether it's a bridge crew, whether it's a whatever, do you have this idealized, it's going to be awesome, or do you get a black eye? And the black eye could mean <laughs> you're mumbling and bumbling at your words, you know, when you meet that person. You don't remember what you say when you meet that person, whatever the case may be. Oh, man. Great point. Boimler was definitely in his fanboy state, which he is a lot oh, in this. Yeah. He's, he's often <laughs> the fanboy of the episode. He's a fanboy of Trick. And he mentions that he wants to meet. You know, Tom Paris coming aboard, creator of, of Fairhaven, Captain Proton. Like, how do you, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, apparently, Paris is on some handshake tour. Not sure why. Maybe because he made it back from the Delta Quadrant successfully. He's going around for morale or whatever, which I thought was 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 pretty interesting. Now, I I, I want to go to care, but I have to ask John this question first. Boy, did that not make you <laughs> mad? <laughs> yes, that was. Oh, that irked me. <laughs> I get, and I hope they're not just trying to make that a thing. I hope that was just a, you know, just a, a bit, but I just don't see that catching on. Were, so were they saying boy or voyage? Boy. No, just boy. It's very annoying. <laughs> it was. And the fact that it came from Boimler has made it even more annoying. So, Kerry, you being a security guy, well, a uh, uh, computer guy. Oh, my, yeah, I was going to talk about that. <laughs> Me, I've been in IT for, what, 13 years now? Wow, I'm old. But anyway, like, just the whole, like, employee leaves and then they come back. You you disable an employee's account for, like, 90 days and then you delete it. But if they come back before, then you just reactivate it, right? So... I just thought this was just a shout out to like the IT crowd, or at least it was to me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but like I got so much satisfaction about him, like from the beginning of the episode, <laughs> trying to get things to work and they just don't work because <laughs> they don't recognize his, or he's not, he's probably just wasn't in the system yet, but I thought that was hilarious. And the fact that Boimler is us. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Out of all the characters, Boimler is us. If if John, John, if you were put into the Star Trek universe, 
You oh, would be boring. You would be Boimler. I mean, you would. You would. You'd be like, oh my god, Tom Paris, like a member wow. plate. But it's like for for like a normal person. Realistically, he's just a dude. You 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 are part of you know you are part of this whole like organization. Like he's just a dude. Like yeah. he's you know he went off and came back. It's not that really really that that big of a deal. You know, I'm sure they all recognize how important it was. Of course, you know when he got on the um, bridge. Everybody recognized him for who he was, and they kind of joked around about it. But nobody was fanboying out, you know. Yeah, they were just like, "Okay, cool." And at the end, when um, when Mariner's like, "Hey, did you get Chicote's autograph, dude?" I just died. <laughs> <laughs> I died. Yeah, that I was died good. So much. That was good. Let me let me just uh, underline your your part about the IT and security and stuff. We hate as a tech person, we hate calling customer support. So, I mean, each company has their own internal customer support. So we try to everything we can to get around from not having to call them. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. this is exactly what Bumler is doing. He <laughs> he's trying everything in the book. Now, of course. He went to the and extreme. That, that kind of that kind of makes sense now, because I uh, my whole, the whole time I'm sitting there like, why don't he just go to somebody and get it fixed? <laughs> like, dude, why are we doing all this? Do we do it all the time, man? I'm the same way when I, I get locked out of my work computer. I'll try everything, Google the internet, you know, everything to try to fix it before I actually call support. Because you, you know, tech people don't want to do it because they think they're smart enough to figure it out. But. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, hit home, man. It hit home. So let, let, let's talk about when we actually get on the bridge. Uh, oh, man, such good lines here. I, I give the writing, you know, hats off right here. Tom Paris arrives. Love the conversation between he and Freeman. Uh, mind if I give her a whirl? I hear the Cali class engines can purr. Of course, just don't send us to the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> <laughs> so freaking good, man. I died laughing on that line. And also, uh, the It's a Kazon line was so good, because, of course... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That flew over my head, but when you sent me that picture, dude, I died, because it looked exactly like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was great. So, let's get a bit into what is, I guess, I consider the A plot of the episode. Dr. Tian... Girl's trip! <laughs> Dr. Tian is having a case of the, the scratchies. I, I don't know. I'm not a cat person. Whatever's wrong with her. And she needs Incentendi as the lowest officer, I guess, on her team to discreetly travel to Quaylor 2, which I thought that planet was free, free cloud. It looks exactly like free cloud on one of those pictures. I guess Quark has a bar on every planet now. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> But they travel to Quaylor 2 to retrieve a family heirloom. She gets Mariner, her friend, or so she thinks, to travel with her for this mission. Carrie, I'll start with you on this. So overall thoughts on the the Tindy Mariner storyline. Um, the only thing that kinda like rubbed me the wrong way about this whole plot. I mean, overall I enjoyed it, but the the thing that just really kind of bothered me, and it may just be because I don't know enough about Star Trek, or maybe I just didn't know this. Was it was it not general knowledge that this wasn't her first ship? Like did did we know that she would she had been on Deep Space Nine? Like was was I the only person that was like, what? Mm, n- no, we didn't know that. Well okay, we knew okay. she had been on previous <laughs> ships. We just didn't know DS9. Yeah, yeah. That, that seemed to it just seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. That just seemed like clout, clout chasing to me, like not from her, but from the writers, just to like make her seem cooler or something. And it just didn't make sense to me. I mean, 
It's like if you're that credentialed, if you're that credentialed, why are you still on the lower decks? Like why if you <laughs> if you served on all these different ships, that that part didn't make sense to me. We talked about that once before, and I think we kind of summed it up to be like this was just her like last ditch effort to be in Starfleet. Like she had been and I guess because of who she is and who her parents were, she had been giving these assignments on these other ships and she screwed it up, each one of them. And this was kind of her last stitch effort to continue was to be here on the Cerritos. So it wasn't it wasn't bad. It wasn't it wasn't as bad as a lot of the other name drops and things that we've seen. Like it kind of it was OK. Like I didn't cringe about it. And maybe because she just said it was DS9. Let me add, I think it, it definitely has to do with how they were telling this part of the story, because the whole, in addition to going to try to get this heirloom fixed or whatever, it's really about Mariner and Tendi getting to know each other. And they've been, they, they don't notice about each other. They've been working together for Lord knows how long. So I just found that as an avenue for them to give us more information about the characters. Cause, cause at this point, at this point, we think we know them pretty well, right? But it turns out, you know, they don't even know each other well. So I liked all of the additional information we got about Mariner as well as Hunu Tindy was the, the mistress of winter constellations. <laughs> um, now yeah. that part I really enjoyed yeah. because. She has been kind of an enigma and just overly like nice. Yeah. You know how some you come across some people and it's like, oh my God, what are they smoking? Like, why are they so nice all the She's time? Getting and in now the we video. see. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that developed her a little more. Like that part to me, I really liked. Yeah, I did as well. And, and, it, and just to the fact that you introduce an Orion as part of Starfleet, but Every species that's gone into Starfleet, of course, they have to adapt to the Federation's ways. But you always see a little sliver of, like, their culture. And you never see that from Tendi. Other than her being green, you never really (laughs) understand that she's Orion. Like, and for that one moment, like, oh, okay, now I see see Orion in her. Yeah, and I kind of equate it to people when they first saw Worf. They they thought he had lost all his Klingon ways as well. So, I mean, I do agree with you that Tendi's is much more under the surface or almost non-existent, to be honest. <laughs> um, right. She she didn't she didn't bring any nugget of that Orion character other than the green skin along with her. So I I definitely agree with you on that point. We also found out that Mariner dates boys, girls, bad non-binaries, bad everything. So she, <laughs> she 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 likes the baddies, bad boys, bad girls, bad everything. You you know what else this reminded me of? I mean, I don't I don't know if I should even bring this up, but the whole thing about Tina, you know what it kind of reminded me of? And you'll know what I'm talking about, Clarence, and maybe you'll know too, Jonathan. You may not know Kyle, but being a black person in like um in a professional setting mm. you kind of have two different ways you talk like you have your way you talk at work <laughs> Cold shift. and then you have then you have your way you talk when you're you, you know when you're off of work talking with your friends or you know and and this kind of mirrored that a little bit although the whole green face thing was hilarious <laughs> false green <laughs> that was hilarious green face she's gonna get counting wow okay i think you hit it on the nose man <laughs> uh, but yeah you're absolutely right that and that, that could have been a lot of what tandy was doing like that uh, yeah that makes yeah. sense 
Especially when she like punches or kicks that guy in the face and he starts kicking her, kissing her feet. I, dude, I died, dude. <laughs> I died laughing. Oh, man. But yeah, it was cool seeing or well, hearing, I guess, that Mariner has interacted with Worf. I thought that was really awesome. Although, you know, we can consider it just something they throw in. Um, also, we got a pretty awesome Easter egg with the Starbase Earhart. And uh, when they went to play Dumjot, and that's the same place where Picard gets stabbed through his heart in Tapestry. So it's the same star base and everything. And they're playing the same game with the Noskin. So I thought that was pretty freaking cool. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that was the same place. I knew that was the kind of the story they were going with. I just didn't realize it was the same place. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I had to look it up, man. Same place. Neither did I, but I did like the animation where they were showing the star base and they were doing the lights and it actually felt like, to me, it looked like lights that were moving and it could have been computer animated. Yeah, maybe You know what I'm so. talking about? I, th- I think I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, just, just cool freaking tie-ins. And, of course, just to wrap up this whole plot, they barely escape with their lives, of course, at the end of it. Ruin the... the um libido post <laughs> turns out that tiana only wanted the the, the box so uh, is that a cat i'm not a cat person is that a cat thing um, yes it's a cat thing uh, and and that was my favorite i'm a cat person and even though i don't have a cat i am a cat person and yes cats will just get inside a box and start playing and and that was just so funny and i always saw the 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 doll post or whatever like a cat scratching post that you can get oh yeah yeah it does kind of look like that yeah that's what i was thinking it was just a scratching post well that's that's pretty much it in addition to i'll mention a couple more easter eggs the title is a rift on the old i may have mentioned this already but the title is a rift on an old tng episode we'll always have paris and also they mentioned that they mentioned that most hated Voyager episode where Janeway and Paris become salamanders. They mentioned that in the episode <laughs> too. So. <laughs> All right. And I don't have anything else. I'll throw it out to you guys to see if you have anything before we wrap this thing up. Okay. So I only have one more thing. And you know, when, um, Boimer was stuck in like the air conditioner duct and he started talking to the plate like that whole part. I just love that whole part. I don't even I can't explain why I don't have a deep analysis. I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it was good, man. It was a good bit. It's a good bit. Um, obviously, the gases and uh, him going crazy, hallucinating. I just <laughs> and it's so funny, man, because uh, I listen to the Delta Flowers podcast. So I've been hearing Tom Paris for like the past year and a half. <laughs> I'm doing that podcast and. He really he he never even hinted at this. Now he hinted that they wanted to get him on Picard, but he couldn't do it uh, because he's a he's a director, so he had a scheduling conflict. But yeah, it's just so cool to see him on here. They got to get Harry Kim on there. They mentioned Harry Kim's name, but they don't uh, actually show him. So I want to see both of them on on the Lower Decks. Maybe get us a Captain Proton Lower Decks episode. I'm down for that. But let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Let's go around the horn and get ratings for this episode. And I will go first. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a 4.5. Cal Jones, what do you think, man? 4.6. Oh, 4.6 on Cal Jones. What about you, Carrie? Okay, so I'm going to qualify this. Coming from the last episode, which was completely solid front to back. Um, I, I do think this episode was good, but I don't think it was as good as the last episode. So I'm going to give it a 3.75. 
not because it wasn't good, but just because the last episode to me was a lot better than this episode. Does that make sense? Oh, def- definitely, yeah. man, definitely. What about you, John? Um, so I'm going to kind of agree with Carrie on this one. The last episode was a pretty good one, actually. Um, and I hate I missed that review with you guys, but uh, comparing this to that, not quite as good. And as I said at the top of the show, like this started out really well. And then like right at the end, it just kind of started going back to the old like just they kind of seem like they tried to throw it all together like i felt like some things could have ended just a little better but all that being said i'll give it a 3.5 all righty alas they had me at tom paris all right guys (laughs) let's go around a horn and see what everybody has been working on podcast related or otherwise what you've been watching or anything else you want to plug you know you are free to speak your mind and let's start with you jonathan Honestly, man, I haven't watched a thing other than these two episodes. The previous two episodes of Laura Dex is the only TV I've watched in like two weeks. Uh, just moving. I'm living out in the middle of the woods right now. So <laughs> that's been an issue. But as always, if there's nothing else to do, I listen to podcast. Um, and I will point out, uh, breaking points by Crystal and Sager. It's on all your podcatchers that you use uh just a good news podcast kind of breaks down things kind of a non-partisan way so definitely check that out and always anyone listening you can always go back and re-listen to the discussing trick podcast which is great entertainment in my opinion oh yeah oh yeah carrie what do you think man what you got okay so i don't really have a show or anything to plug yet hint hint but um as far as things i'm watching uh do you guys remember that movie in the early 90s called Space Camp? Mm-hmm. I do not. Okay, so basically the, 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 the gist of it was these kids went to Space Camp and they were going to do like a mock launch in one of the shuttles, but something happens in the shuttle actually launches and they're like in space <laughs> and they have, to fi- they have to figure out how to get back to Earth. Like, Sounds amazing. I can't believe you don't remember that movie. It was like, I've probably watched the movie like a, a hundred times when I, during, during like junior high or whatever. But anyway... I'm a big anime person. There's an anime called Astro Lost in Space. It's kind of, I don't even know if it's actually based off it, but it's kind of the same premise where this group of kids, they embark on a planet camp. This is the year 2061. It's in the future. And basically, the the camp, this space camp is they get warped to this planet and they live there for a couple days, um, you know, gather, do some tests or whatever, and then they warp back home. But what happens is um, there's this light sphere or something on a planet and it ends up warping them like a across the galaxy oh, like 5,000 light years away from their home planet and the whole thing is about these kids like there's no adults on the ship at all they have to figure out how to get back home and they like plot this course of jumps because they don't have enough fuel to get back home so they have to like jump from planet to planet and you know it's a little bit it's a little monster of the week you know um but it it so far I'm enjoying it I'm only like three or four episodes in it's a short series it's like 12 up so and what's the name you know, of it again Astra A-S-T-R-A Lost in Space so yeah, if if you're if you know since we're on a Trek podcast, I figure I would recommend something a little space ish. But if if you're an anime fan, then you may you may want to check it out. I'm enjoying it so far. Nice, Cal Jones. What you got for us, man? So I would point everyone to a podcast called Oz Nine O Z Dash Nine dot com. They are currently on hiatus after their third series, third season. 
but a couple of weeks ago for two hiatus episodes on a Sunday evening and then on the following Wednesday, I was able to sit down with the rest of the cast or some of the cast on both days. And on the second of the two, I was moderating on the fly, literally ask as we got started, hey, would you, um, you know, moderate? And I was like, oh, okay, sure. So that is out today. Uh, go search for Oz dash nine or just eyes nine on your favorite podcast player and if you're a fan of lower decks and you want something 10 times better eyes nine absolutely (laughs) all right and i will plug some tng i've been watching a lot of tng lately i'm going back through well finishing off my run i'm in season seven now some of these episodes i do not remember at all (laughs) i just watched the the misery Star Trek version was called Liaisons. <laughs> Picard, he goes to this planet and his woman try to, tries to keep him there. Well, what? There's, 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 mo- there's a, like, you mean literally misery, like when the lady breaks the dude's legs with the sledgehammer, like that misery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more to the story, <laughs> but that's kind of where they start. But it, it's, it's, wow. it's a decent episode. I'm going to check that out. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, just going through all these season seven episodes, I'm having fun. That's it for me, just season seven of TNG. And that's Breaking Points Podcast from Jonathan. And that's Space Camp slash Astra Lost in Space from Carrie and Oz9 from Kyle. All right. With that, guys, we're wrapping it up. If you made it this far, we thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on social media by hitting us up at Discussing Trek. Also, you can send in fan mail to fans at DiscussingTrek.com. Thank you for listening. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Leadership, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starfleet Leadership Academy. Its ongoing mission to develop leaders through Star Trek. To boldly go when no podcast has gone before. A leadership development podcast told through the lens of Star Trek. Subscribe today, the Starfleet Leadership Academy. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.